Yeah. Cash money heroes. Private jets. Polish. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Two Red Gringos. I'm your host, Phil Bakke, and joined, as always, by Pat Staley. Pat, it's season five, episode seven. How are you feeling? As long as I got a little Kevin Rudolph in me, I'm I'm good to go. Is that the first time we've ever kicked off a Two Red Gringos episode with uh, uh, with the one and only Crudolph? <laughs> uh I want to say he's featured in the past, but um, I can't. I can't point to a specific insta- instance. So, um, <laughs> few few can point to Kevin Rudolph's <laughs> this feel, collection. <laughs> this feels this feels like a like a momentous kind of occasion. Uh, and I mean, we've made it. Ultimately, the message rings true with Crudolph and and with Liverpool. Oh yeah, you got to have something in place because there's, it's like there's, if I have the hierarchy right, there's banging, then there's slaps, yep. and then there's Crudolph, and that's <laughs> exactly. after the past week, week and a half we've had. Um, that that's the type of type of momentum and level that we need. We are on Crudolph levels. So, following <laughs> up Crudolph with a with a poison. As we as we intro as we always do, picking our poison. I uh, what have what have you got to to match that that different level that that we've met this week? Something something real special. So I think Alan knows it the best, but it's they. I don't have this one, but the the main one. Um, as in the U.S., we have Shiner Cheer. Here in Mexico, we have Bohemian Noche Buena. Mm-hmm. And not to be outdone, Modelo has rolled out their own. So I went with the Modelo Noche Especial for this for this episode. Wow. So when we're talking, I'm assuming that's going to be, so it's a holiday theme is what is what you're saying? Well. Yes. The, I, the red and the gold, I think, indicate. <laughs> and it, but yeah, right. they just basically took like well, we can't call it like Noche Buena, so we just right. made it a Modelo Noche. <laughs> well, I uh, I took a similar tack and and went not for the holiday beer because I I went with Shiner Cheer when we were on Bros Talking Soccer uh, last yeah. week, so um, I uh, I didn't want to double up. That felt 
that felt wrong and out of character. Um, and if you haven't listened to that, check out Bros Talking Soccer. It's on YouTube. It's on iTunes. It's everywhere. So go ahead and check that out because it was pretty fun. Good, uh, good talk with those bros. Yeah, a lot um, of fun. But the uh, the the poison I'm rocking tonight is a is a Stone Jokoveza Stout, um, which is a uh, kind of a departure for them and for me because obviously I'm you know I'm the hop god as Stan as Stan has deemed me. <laughs> But tonight I'm all about I'm all about the dark the dark beer uh, and this is a like a chocolate coffee stout brewed with uh, chilies as well so it's got a little of a Mexican chocolate kind of feel to it a little nutmeg a little cinnamon it's real spicy um, but not in a hot way like in a you know, there's just a lot of flavor. Hot. It's nice. <laughs> what? For, for, no, what? For, for those of you listening at home, you can't see how dark this beer is. It's like you just like struck oil and just <laughs> held. Texas crude. Oh, the Texas crude. Applying the Texas crude. Just straight from the ground. No, yeah. This hasn't been refined whatsoever. Um, oh, but it is tasty. I'm only I'm only drinking one of these because uh, it's heavy both both in the ABV and in the, uh, yo, in the in the palate as well. Yeah, what kind of ABV you rocking over there? I'm sure Stan would want to know. Uh, it's not it's not too too bad. It's not we're not talking about the twelve thirteen levels that he's reaching um, on a on a seemingly regular basis. But um, <laughs> this this is just a like eight point three, so it's higher end, but not a oh yeah, not unmanageable. Yeah. Those you got to be careful with because one too many and they sneak up on you. Right, and that's why I'm, I'm trying to trying to be responsible with this one. Um, hey, I'll I'll give you this one: Modelo Noche Especial, five point three. Well, five point three. That's not, not that's pretty shabby. good for the for the mainstream. The mainstream breweries don't normally hit above above five. That's pretty. Yeah, rare. they don't like cracking five. So yeah. no, it's really solid. That's 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 good to hear. I mean, it's a ripoff beer, but. I mean, if it's tasty, then it's uh, there's no issues really. Yeah, that's true. I was going to defend Modelo, but no, it's it, they ripped it off. <laughs> it's blatant. <laughs> so, I mean, as we as we just jump right in, we got a lot to talk about today. There's so much going on in in the world of Liverpool and LFC Twitter, football Twitter, and I mean, with with the Champions League midweek and a United game at the weekend there's there's a lot to talk about and it seems like it's kind of piling up even even by normal standards but um but i want to kick it off with with our napoli review which which led us to kind of a two red gringos classic matchup which was the carlo ancelotti (laughs) versus jurgen klopp for those longtime (laughs) listeners of the pod they'll remember back before Jurg big jurg was uh was signed uh it was it was a debate um you know, was was Carlo Ancelotti uh, a viable candidate for the Liverpool job? And he certainly would have been. Um, but this was a this is a tasty matchup in that it it pits the clop for the cop versus the case for <laughs> Carlo once again. Um, so, do you have any like general reactions to the game itself uh, before we dive into the to the kind of the nitty gritty of of what went on? Yeah. I think just the general reaction and and my immediate takeaway was kind of two parts. One, why why haven't we really seen this before? Or not not before, why haven't we really seen this out of the midfield recently? 
But two, that like that to me is the playbook that you approach good matches because we did we did just about everything probably not perfect but well in terms of like putting our foot on the gas attacking creating chances right from the start um but also having control in the midfield and being really solid in defense too and that's something that we certainly didn't see in the away leg against Napoli and 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 then others especially like against um, mainly I keep going back to Chelsea and even Arsenal, um, when our schedule started really picking up too. So that, that's the type of performance I, I wanted to see more often moving forward, especially against top clubs, because I just think it was like the perfect balance of, of control attack and defense without being stretched too much one way or the other too. And I really haven't seen it too much yet, um, against the top sides that we faced. We'll uh we'll we'll talk uh in depth, especially about the midfield. I think that's that's the most obvious talking point kind of out of this. Um despite the fact that in the end it is our you know, it's our attack which gets us the goal that we need and it's the defense that keeps Napoli out. But that midfield made such a difference for, for such a large part of the game. But I I think the one thing overall that kind of stuck out to me in the in the match was the return of that high intensity high press of Napoli's back line which we haven't really seen to a large extent this season and I think uh particularly with these two central defenders and we'll talk uh, we'll talk a little bit more about about Koulibaly who's be- quickly become you know, football Twitter's favorite center back. Um, and, and I'm not saying it's not all, you know, unjustified, but um, I think Klopp looked at Albiol and Koulibaly as co- potentially weak in terms of playing out from the back. Um, and they persisted with it, but when they were under pressure, yep. it, it showed their weakness. Um, and so it was nice to see kind of that return to the high intensity. And I think the midfield benefited quite a bit from that. Um because that is the strength of that midfield is their ability to cover space, their ability to close people down, and then their quick their ability to quickly recycle possession. Um, that's where they thrive. If they're trying to break down a team that's sitting deep, that's not where that where that midfield three kind of shows its <laughs> shows its uh, its strength. So when that when the lineup came out, the first thing is we dive into the the deeper the deeper analysis. Um, when that lineup was announced, what, what was your initial reaction? I, I think I saw your Twitter reaction, but how did, <laughs> how did that seeing that midfield three specifically, because I know it, it evoked a strong reaction across LFC Twitter, you know, what was your reaction? Well, I think rightfully so though, like we have, there's been enough, there's like a big enough body of evidence this season, like with the three away matches, how they've performed, I think even in the premier league, for us to kind of like scratch our heads and say like what we've seen what like Fabinho and Kaita can offer and we've seen what this midfield three has been doing in Europe. So our, our freak out, <laughs> the collective freak out that we all had, save one person who, who will be <laughs> our, our Twitter hero later on. Right. Was justified, but, but now this is bullshit, right? Cause how many times have we just said like at, at this point for us, like Klopp is above reproach. Like there's no there's no reason to question 
really anything that he does, right? <laughs> it, it, we've seen that. We said that in the transfer market and now tactically. Like I, I don't know like what what the weak point is now for, for Klopp from like a, a Liverpool fan supporter because he's sticking with players. He's rewarding performances. He's trusting his guys and then they, they come out and they, they stick up for him, right. With their performances. And that's what we saw from that midfield too. Um, so no, we, it, it was, it, it was just initial confusion because we've seen how they performed and then once the game kind of kicked off, we're like, okay. Now, I don't want to get too carried away because <laughs> the midfield performed well, but everybody's reacting like this was like some almost like completely dominant performance out of them as opposed to this This should really be the norm that we want to see out of them too. And I think Klopp kind of knew that and and tactically it, it, it fell to him and it, it – worked out the way that he anticipated certainly not the way any of us did <laughs> well i think i think the initial reaction is is certainly like you said there's there's a certain amount of justification behind it just because there there are a couple of performances in europe that you can point to and just say you know substandard not not yeah. up to not up to par um and the one thing coming into the game was was the fact that we knew we needed to score um at least once and we and we probably you know on a on a normal day we probably needed the 3 um because keeping a clean sheet against a a, a team with the amount of attacking power you know prowess and and uh with the amount of of talent in it as Napoli you you'd figure keeping a clean sheet even at home even for this defense is is a tall order on a on a night like that um so my only thought, really, because I expected to see uh, at least you know Henderson and Wijnaldum at least, um, but I really thought there was a shot uh, of of Keita getting a start um, in in that match because it just seemed to kind of suit him in terms of riding that wave of he's been consistently showing better and better performances, yeah. and he's just that that extra attacking threat while still being solid, whereas. You know, starting Shakiri may have been. It, you know, if he if he starts, then maybe it's a little too gung ho. Um, yeah. But Keita kind of strikes a balance a little bit between. Yeah, Na- Nabi does get that balance too. But even just the the quick simple stats in terms of the their ability to link up with the front three and the amount of passes that they complete to them, but okay. also for Nabi, like being able to penetrate and create space off the dribble. I think it just popped up on. LSC Twitter either today or yesterday or sometime this week that just kind of showed average average dribbles per per 90 I think it was and Abby's at like 2.2 and I think the next highest might have been like Genie at about 0.8 or something like that so basically right. almost all of the other midfielders combined um <laughs> have <laughs> the same kind of dribble rate as Nabby did too so that that was the concern going in is because the the midfield has not been linking up with the front three they haven't been delivering accurate passes to them they also haven't been creating off the dribble and so that's why we've seen the front three stutter a little bit like we've talked about before um but also just this this disjointed attack that we've had and so nabby was i you know <laughs> looking back in hindsight maybe not the right call because it all worked out <laughs> and the midfield did uh did control it, did link up with the front three much better than they have all season. Um, 
but no, yeah, I, I figured Naby was going to be a no brainer, but now we get to unleash him versus uh, United. So yeah, that's a it may turn out to be to be a masterful move in the end because rested Fabinho and Kate to come on, come into a midfield <laughs> potentially against United, and uh, and we just absolutely uh, yeah we'll get there. Um, but for the for the thir- first thirty minutes, I wanted to to kind of divide it out because we we talked about everyone is is raving now um about that midfield performance but in that in that opening 20 to 30 minutes it kind of looked like the game was going to pass them by again um did you get the sense that that our midfield was kind of getting they took time to kind of grow into the game i I think genie looked i like genie from the very start like with Hendo and Milner, there were a couple instances. It, I think Hendo's is just a little bit more observable, maybe, because he does play in that more reserved six, typically. And if, if they're coming at him and he's got to play a defensive role and not a role of possession and distribution, he, he's just going to struggle because we know he's not a defensive-minded six. Um, but I thought just, just from the... To the start, I was really impressed with Genie, and maybe, probably not for the first full thirty, um, maybe up until the goal. I'm not sure, but pro- definitely like first fifteen twenty, Genie was was noticeably forward and on the right, um, and so I think maybe it took him a little bit of time for them to kind of get settled in into a position like we said that was a little bit more balanced rather than rather than all out attack. But I think the goal the goal certainly helped them pick out and kind of control the pace of the game. Yeah, that's what I, I think the, the comment about Wijnaldum is, is the most noticeable difference from how that midfield's played in the past. So, or the past few games, um, cause it was getting referred to as, you know, the flat three and they're all kind of doing the same type of thing. And, and Jeannie, it seemed like he was sent out with a different role this time where yeah. his, his job was to link, you know, the midfield and the attack and, and to, you know, retain possession and actually go forward into some of those areas where otherwise, you know, in, in Pat, in the past few games, it looks like he's more so looked back to Henderson or, or even out to, you know, Trent or whoever's at right back. And yeah. just look to kind of dump the ball off and and just keep keep it moving, but not necessarily in a progressive way. And it seemed like that was noticeably <laughs> different um, this time around because he was looking to turn, he was looking to run at people, um, yeah. And he was actually he he looked like what we kind of expected Wijnaldum to be <laughs> when he got here, um, even though he's been you know the jack of all trades, or even like a little bit more like. Oxley Chamberlain, like in mm-hmm. terms of just where he was on the pitch right. and even like the average kind of positioning at the end, it really kind of resembled almost like sandwiched up next to whether it's Firmino or Salah, just that far forward too. But then I really like to see how how his role began to evolve a little bit after the goal was scored and and you could just see him just controlling possession, you know, just kind of shrugging off defenders. And probably one of my favorite moments was the absurd kind of spin move that he pulled like in the <laughs> in the ninety ninety second ninety third minute or something like yeah. that, like no reason to no. whatsoever, <laughs> but then he just kind of keeps possession, so Jeannie's got that ability, 
and then, like I said on on Twitter, I didn't want to say it, but um, of course I want to say it. I then he gives it to Lover, and Lover and just hoofs it out like immediately. <laughs> yeah. and then and then it comes back down. Yeah, so. yeah no, Genie, he, Genie runs he through half over it too. Yeah, so it was a really solid performance at Genie. So I, I mean, I'm I'm gonna say that uh, Henderson. Your your point about Henderson. There, there's no scary I don't think there's a scarier moment in our defense currently because we've got so many solid options across the back line and obviously a goalkeeper but as that last midfielder most most often if there is a player if Henderson squares to try to defend a player with the ball I know he's getting dribbled dribbled past He's getting it, worked. He it <laughs> happens so often. Any time that he that he closes the space and gets tight to someone who is running at him, he's getting he's getting dribbled past like nine times out of ten. Um, and it's his one major weakness. Where I think even the most you know even the most like tactically out there managers who just like seem to know nothing you know Pardu <laughs> is pulling his ten aside and is saying just run at him like just, just make go at just him. make him commit um, one faint one little yeah one little drop of the shoulder <laughs> and he's done and he's done and that <laughs> it, it, it's always going to be with Henderson I think that's just the going to be the constant and like raging debate about how did he play because you can't even say anything you can't say like oh you know Hendo had a pretty decent second half without just like an army of like you know anti-hendo twitter people but right. then it then the same thing happens like if we roll out there and say gosh was hendo really that good <laughs> then we get all the people coming at us saying like oh you just hendo bashers like yeah. there's there's the hendo no apologists and the hendo <laughs> haters no, it's so ironic because it's like there's no middle ground with hendo but that's that's what he's good at he right. is like the middle ground he gives you a little bit of everything he doesn't he doesn't really excel at any at any one thing. Um, and aside from, you know, tending to be a defensive liability, which can hurt <laughs> you in the six. Yeah. Um, I, I think that's why I don't know if it was Bobby or somebody else mentioned it. Like whenever he was pushing up and pressing and he got to do a little bit more about uh, more of that against Napoli, that's when we, we see him excelling. And that's when he's looking good. It's not when right. he's trying to protect a back for just the two center backs because he gets caught out and then that's when all hell breaks loose yeah if he's if he's on the front foot making a challenge he he'll win the ball a lot um and i think i I don't have the stat in front of me but i think in terms of ball recoveries in the in like the middle and and final third he he's up there you know among some of the better players in terms of of winning the ball back Um, yeah he's just if he's on his if he's on his heels you know and and facing a dribbler it's just not it's not good um but it's the, torture watching neymar go up against head <laughs> like it's a worst case scenario yeah um but his uh the thing that really impressed me about henderson especially second half was one he he actually started to turn um which we haven't seen a whole lot in terms of just looking to be more positive. Like we, it was a big change when we saw Fabinho come into that role and, and really get a chance, you know, after he'd been, you know, bedded into the side or whatever, whenever he would receive the ball, he'd turn and look and see what his options were. Um, it, his, if his back was to, you know, to our attack, uh, his first instinct was not, okay, I need to like just move it so that yeah. someone facing 
the right way can can do it. He'd turn and look up and see if there's a pass on. And Henderson started doing that last night and was actually pinging the ball around like quite a bit out to the wings. And, and he looked like Henderson from maybe like 15, 16, where he was yeah. kind of that that playmaker more so rather than just that safe kind of pure six that we've tried to kind of force him into. Yeah. Um, so of the three, uh, I, I think we haven't talked about, about Milner. Um, he absolutely like ran himself into the ground. <laughs> um, but there are, there are periods of the game where Milner, I forget he's on the field sometimes. Um, there, there are times where it feels like the game's kind of passing him by a little bit. Um, but then out of nowhere, he'll just body somebody (laughs) (laughs) and, uh, crush somebody. Yeah. yeah, And, and then he does start getting into, uh, what I like about Milner is that it seems like he knows when to, when to kind of shift his focus from control to, he starts working his way into wider areas and attack and looking for crosses from deep areas and, and sort of the stuff that we had seen Henderson do in the past. Um, he starts to kind of feel where those areas are, but I mean, did, is there anything that like stuck out to you about, about Jimmy's performance, uh, you know, of the three? I mean, (laughs) (laughs) no, like I hate going back to this, but it's, you know, when, when everybody's raving about Milner and it's like, is that good enough? Like (laughs) what is it? Like it's a, Solid performance, right? But it is, and whether it's Hendo or Genie, sometimes people can go missing in that midfield, right? We've just seen that a lot with the way that it's set up. Like if there's a team that's going to be more more like defensive and compact, it could be Milner, it could be Genie that go missing. I think Genie's kind of coming into that role, but but no, Milner does have that knack for especially getting out wide and being able to create chances too. So. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Is it a good thing? Like for our center backs, for our full backs, if we can't really say anything about them, then it was probably a good performance <laughs> for for like Milner in the midfield. I don't know if it's the same thing, but no, I think it's just a, a what an, an an industrial performance out of him <laughs> is, is the best way to describe James Milner. Yeah. So I think I think I know your answer to this, but of of our midfield three that was was much maligned at the end, at the beginning of the game uh which one comes out the other side with the uh with the most credit i i think just genie just because of of all the everything different that he did and how he adapted as the game as the game kind of went on it, it really kind of fell for him so out of that midfield three um yeah, you know they all they all did well. What like what Milner Milner got the a very Milner a Milner like assist. That was all. <laughs> which I know Simon Brundish absolutely loathes these type of assists, but yeah. <laughs> um, no, Genie. Uh, I I just love watching Genie play, and I don't I didn't dive into it too much to know if the the stats backed up the the eye test, but we did get a good YouTube clip out of it. So yeah, absolutely. I feel confident with my Genie shot. Yeah, I think uh, I I think. I think Henderson gives a good account of himself, especially second half, like really, really started to to look more like the player that that we expect him to be, you know, week in and week out or or at least more regularly. 
Um, but in terms of the most complete performance, I don't think there's any arguing across that midfield three that that one Alden puts in the uh, the most complete performance because pretty much he was he was dialed in for 90 full minutes, um, even after he is almost substituted <laughs> until uh, until James Milner <laughs> comes up uh, comes up with cramps. Yep. Uh, and that well, that's the the last kind of thing that I'll say about the midfield too. That's what I noticed is I think it might have been what before before Nabby came on, but mm-hmm. there was that period in the second half where they just looked wiped. Yeah, like they looked they looked done, and Napoli had a had a much better kind of stretch. Maybe it lasted I don't know anywhere from like ten to fifteen minutes. Right. Um. But then Klopp made some key subs that I think uh, be, began to really help. Yeah, and that's. I think it actually happened in waves, it felt like, because their midfield was absolutely exhausted and had been basically their wing their their wing backs or I guess their like full backs were worthless by about fifty minutes. Um, <laughs> they had been chasing, you know, Salah and, and Mane back and back and forth down the down the pitch so much that they uh he had to he had to toss new people on, and as soon as he put the fresh blood in, they went on the front foot, and and yeah. it was you know it was noticeable. And then Klopp countered that with his with his subs, um, and and actually kind of regained control. Um, it seemed like so. Yeah, it's a it, it's a fair point. Nice little chess match. Yeah, and it's oh, and speaking <laughs> speaking of chess, I love. I think it was I started reading the uh, oh what's uh what's the oh, Jür- bring, Jürgen book? Bring the Noise. Bring the Noise, yeah. yeah. And I think there's uh, – <laughs> I did the one where it's what, uh, Jürgen's first first game in charge. Yeah. <laughs> and he's, they're talking about him running onto the pitch or something for for when they scored. Yeah. But then there's another one where he says like, you know, it's not, it's not chess to him or whatever. He didn't go so far as to say it was checkers, but I've always been a fan of the uh, checkers over chess. Unlike right. Denzel, but, but yeah, it was a good, <laughs> a good kind of back and forth between uh, th- that's a good point in that second half, because it was really this happen in waves or this almost like a chess match or checkers match between, uh, Klopp and Carlo. So you, you mentioned a little while ago, the, the Milner's assist for, for Mo's goal. Um, and the, the goal itself, obviously proving the difference and proving enough to send Liverpool into into the knockouts, it's a it's a far more significant goal than the actual action itself. But when Mo pulls away and and does what he does in the in the penalty area, I mean, is there right now? Is there any question that that Mo of last season is is the real Mo Salah? Uh, like this is the guy that we can expect. <laughs> to be around for for the time being and it's it it's just continuing right like there's no not even just last season because what even the two i think even the two seasons before like he's been building up to this just world-class player and you know he's the type where if he goes a game or two and doesn't score then it's it's a crisis but no he's I think he's right just on pace with where he was last season and just ridiculous performances in both, you know, the league, we saw the hat trick and then for Napoli to do that because yeah, you, you said it like Colby's the, the center back, you know, the toast of the town on, on Twitter right now. 
uh, and rightfully so. I think he's I think he's incredible. Yeah. I think he's great, and that's just a credit to Mo that, <laughs> and maybe just about every center back out there, maybe except for Van Dyke, is <laughs> it has the potential to just get ruthlessly skinned and <laughs> and just like beaten horribly, right? Whether right. it's Mo, whether it's Messi, uh, it, it, and that's what we saw for that goal. Just this unbelievable moment of brilliance um and yeah Milner picked up the assist for it (laughs) (laughs) I think uh I think the the moment you know it reminds me it reminded me of two goals initially so the first goal it reminds me of is Moe's goal against Tottenham at at Anfield at the end yeah at the very end of the game um it was very reminiscent of that where he kind of gives the whole back line the eyes like I'm gonna put this I'm gonna square this so they all stop to block the cross <laughs> meanwhile he's continued running um yep. and uh and then gives in this case gives the keeper the eyes as well again a second time and gets him to dive out to block the cross and shoots instead and just so, opens him up so um what do you make of mo um there's been certain games this season where after the goal he doesn't celebrate in any meaningful way aside from staring into the crowd, <laughs> like death stare into the crowd. And then I think he, I think he held his arms up, uh, later after the players came over to, you know, congratulate him basically. But the, uh, he's had a couple of, of more, you know, energetic celebrations. And then a few this season where he's just kind of stood and not even held his arms out like he did last season, but he just stares into the, into the crowd <laughs> As if to say, I, like, what are you going to do about it? You know, like, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, I think that's more of a, a testament to kind of, uh, uh, I, I don't know, uh, whether you're reading in things about, you know, what happened with like the Egypt Federation and all this other stuff. Uh, I have no idea, but I, I think it's just kind of signaling his his own kind of confidence in himself. And he's never been. I mean, he'll, he'll bust out the knee slide every now and then last season, mm-hmm. but, but no, anytime I see that, I go back and I see like a, a, a camera angle of, of Mo like running over to the crowd and he's got a big, you know, smile on his face that people are around him and he's dabbing verge or whatever, like he did in this <laughs> game too. So I, I mean, I, for me, there's nothing in it. Like I, it, it's just like, I'm a badass. I just scored again. I did it, you know? Yeah, (laughs) I'm averaging what is it like 70 like uh, scoring like 74 goals or assists or whatever in like 72 games for Mm -hmm. Liverpool or something something like that so it's at that point it's like it's not quite Balotelli levels of you know this is what I'm paid to do but it's just like (laughs) it's just that confidence level that that you see from some players right like he doesn't need a trademark like 180 jump weird thing that Ronaldo does right just a very very calm and assured approach too. That's what we need out of Mo. Yeah, I I think I mean ultimately it comes down to he's got 13 goals in all competitions and and this is still being touted as, you know, what's going on with Mo Salah? Why is he not <laughs> hitting the heights? Um and uh I don't know if you saw but uh the oh, I think you probably retweeted it uh, onto my timeline, but um the game state uh goals basically like goals that either equalized or gave us the lead (laughs) um there's been something like seven or 
60 in the last year and, and Mo scored 28 of them. <laughs> Ridiculous. Like that absurd. He, like uh, just absurd. He is, he is the man, um, which, uh, McManaman in, on BT sport broke out the cometh the hour cometh the man, uh, <laughs> which he's literally said every time Mo Salah scored in the champions league <laughs> for the last two seasons. Um, so, uh, the the other stat that sticks out and a lot of people have pointed to uh, in the aftermath of this game is the fact that that Liverpool end the game with 23 total shots on target, or excuse me, 23 shots with only five yeah. on target um, and an XG somewhere around 3.8, um, I think. <laughs> uh, so as far as the attack goes, is this underperformance of the XG, which we've, we've seen, I know on average across the whole season, it's not, it's not a huge underperformance, um, of the expected goals, but there's been a few of these games where we've hit some un you know, just insane heights in terms of the chances we're creating, but we're not converting them. And so is that something that's encouraging where you think, okay, like eventually we'll, will kind of regress to the, or, you know, advance to the mean, if you will, like we'll eventually get there. Um, or is it disheartening just that like at some point these chances are going to start drying up and now we're, now we're stuck with <laughs> whatever we have, uh, you know, at this point. Well, I don't think there's, or at least on my end, there's no concern that the chances will dry up. Like those chances are always going to be there. I, I love the uh, what the the hot take of Mane missing missing the target to to buy some more time. <laughs> um, that, I, but honestly, yeah, like like in what Mane I think had three. If we're going off, I think it was info goal, like three chances that were like forty percent or higher. In in the world of XG, like a point four or higher chance, it is basically a goal. Right. right. Like that's that that should be a goal. Right. Um, <laughs> and Mane, I think, had like at least three of those yeah. chances. So he, <laughs> he had the opportunity to put this. He's like a one point two by himself, I think. <laughs> like, yeah, he, he outperformed Napoli. Like, yeah. seriously. But that to me was like uh, I, I was so caught up in it at the time of just like, you, you know, once once I realized after like the 80th minute that. One goal would send us through that I was like, okay, you're, you're not worried about it too much. Cause you're just so focused on don't, don't concede, don't concede. Right. Um, but looking back on it, like <laughs> so, so many good chances wasted. Like I think mm-hmm. a lot of those even half decent chances that we had early on, like, uh, I think it was Milner with a header, uh, Jeannie had a chance too. Um, so I don't know, depending on whatever site we're using, how they factor in the type of shot, um, but no, the chances were there. And even, even looking at kind of the chance map, even in the first half, when it looks like, oh, it, you know, it didn't really pick up until towards the end of the game. Like there were chances there. Like there were a few, whether they were, um, like close offside calls mm-hmm. or Mo, oh, I can't, I think it was Mo receiving it from Matip maybe, or somebody else. Yeah. Or, no, was... no, no, another, maybe it was a, a, a Milner, the it was Robertson the, chance. No, the Robertson chance. Um yeah. that he just kind of missed touches, right? Yeah. And so that doesn't go down as uh as a chance or, right. or or factor into the XG. Yeah. Um 
but it, it could have a good touch and that's a goal too. Right. So th- the chances were there. Um, Mane's a little bit, but it's Mane, you know, mm-hmm. you, you're going to get like a whirling dervish performance out of him sometimes, and then he'll come back and, and get the, get the next hat trick too. So no, I mean, it's, <laughs> that's just the way the match went. Like right. it was either going to be like this epic comeback or it was just going to be this like, you know, clenched cheeks for, for, <laughs> for, for, for 60 minutes. The, uh, I think, I, I think you have to take heart in, you know, in the fact that we've continued to create chances this season at, at a very high rate and, and we've not given out the, the level of, of beatings, you know, that we've, that we dished out towards the end of last season. Um, yeah. but we're in the position that we are. And if we continue to create chances at this, at this level, then, you know, there's multiple players with, you know, Bobby and, and Mane, um, who are not quite at, you know, the playing at like their very, very best. Um, uh, the one thing <laughs> Mane missed a shot or excuse me, had a shot saved, uh, when he slipped while hitting it and I didn't know how to react, <laughs> how to react to that because, uh, you know, nine times out of 10. And I think it was, I think it was, uh, our, one of our good, uh, good pals on Twitter, Puck Sherburn pointed yeah. out that, uh, <laughs> pointed out that, that he missed, you know, he missed a chance even though he fell down and, you know, nine times out of 10, that's, that's a goal when, when Mane yeah. ends up on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> if Mane is like tumbling, then yeah. It, it, it's almost a sure thing too, but, but no, I don't know. I think there is like Salah just, just dominated, right? Like that was the, that was the game plan was to feed him. And then a lot of Mane's chances would, would, would kind of came later on. Um, but no, when, when most playing like that, it's, it'll begin to just make it easier and easier too. And we know the quality that, that Firmino and Mane both have. And so I think it's still, we we saw the chances. One, it might have been just the game was so stretched, but also the performance of the midfield too. Like allowed allowed us to get in. Both fullbacks did really well too. So when you have a midfield and your fullbacks that are linking up with the front three and creating, it, it, it's only a matter of time. And and you know, <laughs> Mane had the chances too. And and even Firmino, like I've started to notice, like Firmino is just like. I think he's had more more of his shots blocked this mm-hmm. season than probably like his entire career. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it, it it just seems like it it's not falling his way too. So, yeah. I I don't know if we're going to be concerned with Firmino or Mane, um, because I think just when you've got quality there, it's you know the old adage like form is temporary, class blah 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 blah. So <laughs> it's only a matter of time before they start. Uh, the start back the start bagging goals more regularly yeah the uh i i can only hope that that it starts this weekend um that would be <laughs> that would be a nice uh nice repayment you know of of Mane's chances that he had in this game but it ultimately it it was one nothing and it and it came down in the late late stages it came down to our other brilliant brazilian um in in goal so this this debate on twitter has been raging now for the last couple of days since the game and it almost feels like what color is this dress um 
in that it all depends on who you are and and what your you know what team you support and everything as to whether this is a brilliant save or not uh or whether it's hit straight at him uh type thing so is this a brilliant save or or does Milik just not do not do well enough with the chance it, no it's an incredible save like we we all know that too because you can see one just if he was just standing right there like at luck and that's where milk was and the shot came to him but he switches position to get in front of the shot he then adjusts with the shot as it's being hit too and if you look at what just for for him to kind of receive that touch and make something out of it too like he's just like full stretch Mm -hmm. like is able to snatch it control it and put a really good shot on target but no the save itself is just something that we we just haven't had since i I don't even know when (laughs) we in, in recent liverpool history we just have not had that level of of just quality of game changing quality in a keeper and if if that was the only example then maybe there could be something up for debate but there has been countless moments right in the even over the past what like stretch that we've played over the past 10 15 days um he's been there to to give us game saving game saving point saving saves right his uh i think I think the thing that actually makes people credit him less is his positioning is so good um and his reaction his reactions as well to to what's going on and his ability to to accelerate just over the course of a step or two um and cover cover ground and and then you know in this case he makes himself so big um just right in Milik's face and forces him, you know, to hit it, uh, where, you know, if he has even a split second more, he can maybe control it a little better and, and pick his place a little bit more, but he's got this giant, <laughs> giant highlighter <laughs> giant running, Brazilian you know, coming about, him, yeah. about to, about to close him down. And he knows he doesn't have much time. So he takes the shot as early as he can. And, you know, Allison being, being, in the right place and and positioned correctly he he makes it a routine save in the sense that you know he's in the right place to to be able to make it um so people can look back and say oh Milix hit it straight at him but if he doesn't follow the path of the ball correctly if he doesn't make that first step correctly Milix got an open goal you know if he if he's just a step late it's a it's a tap in and yeah. so it, it, it's 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 a non-discussion just yeah. because the most basic knowledge of <laughs> of what it takes to be a good goalkeeper <laughs> is is will will tell you everything you need to know about that too. It was incredible <laughs> and it it was what what's the I made the tweet of like, you know, start comparing his transfer fee to however many millions <laughs> we make now in the Champions <laughs> League. And I think just getting past the group stage was something like 7 to 11 million yeah. uh, million pounds. And so like that, like yeah. a, a million dollar save, somebody else tweeted like literally like more than a million dollar save. Right. Um, and yeah, we haven't had it before too. So we're just, he, he's just that good. Yeah. And we've talked about, we've talked about his, uh, you know, what we've needed in, in a keepers for so long on this podcast <laughs> in particular, because for the last, 
you know, the previous four seasons of this podcast, we haven't had a proper, a proper <laughs> keeper. Um, and, uh, and we've talked about the thing, you know, the thing that a team like Liverpool needs is a guy who can stand in, in goal for, you know, 89 minutes and not face a single shot, not, not be tested once, but when it's one, nothing, and in the dying seconds of of stoppage time, <laughs> they get that one chance. That's the one that we need him to stop. We need him to make that one brilliant save. And and I don't, you know, regardless of the difficulty of the save, even if you take that out of the conversation, the game state and what is on the line automatically makes it a brilliant save. Oh yeah. I don't care like, if it was the most routine thing that's ever occurred. It just <laughs> kept us in the Champions League. So there's no there's no arguing that it's a that it's an absolutely brilliant save. But no. uh, but across our across our defense, we had um, we've had kind of a, a strange time now that you know Joe Joe's sadly sidelined um, after being hurt by Ben Me, a, a Burnley player of no consequence, um, has has kind of put a, a stop to one of the the burgeoning you know young player of the year candidates. Um, so we had Joel Matip and. Uh, I didn't put him on the outline, and I don't know how I've overlooked this, but we had Joel <laughs> Matta aside Virgil van Dyke, uh, you know, where we could have expected Gomez or even or even Lovren um, if he was fully fit. I think he was he's still coming back into it. He obviously yeah. came on as a sub. Um, but Joel Matta gives such a good account of himself in this game. Like, what did you make of, of Joel's performance? It's just so it's almost a little bit like uh, Allison in the way that he's just very like kind of calm, reassured and positionally sound, right? Like where we, we, we said this before about the Morenos, the Loverins who can look and even throwing it back to my favorite person, Skirtle, who can make <laughs> like, who, who can have this like recovery time and make like a latch last ditch tackle, but you don't, want it to get (laughs) you don't want it to get to that because that's also (laughs) when you become error prone which they which they all were and 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 Matip has just been it was back to when he first kind of came into the Liverpool squad and not the the Matip after he got back from injury and and Van Dyke arrived and he he had a little dip in form but he's just been so solid too and it I'm seeing now people been like oh you know I never really rated Matip but he's been playing well and it's like (laughs) <laughs> there's a short stretch of games where Matip didn't perform like this. Otherwise he's always done that and not getting enough credit for his, his distribution too, which is something that's just phenomenal too. So when you have that, and especially with the the kind of midfield woes that we had in terms of being able to create, you can bypass that and open up space too. So no, it's just, it, it's, it's the Matip that we knew, um, knew what he was capable of. Matip actually uh, is denied an assist uh, by Sadio Mane late on, or uh, <laughs> I guess late in the first half. Um, he plays it just a, a you know a a worm burner of a ball. <laughs> <laughs> 
just that that low that low driven pass that you know they've just added to FIFA the last couple of years. I think it's where <laughs> <laughs> if you like hold L two and mash triangle or something. I don't. Yeah. Know. I, I didn't get FIFA nineteen. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but no, it's that low that low driven pass and it and Milner was running through and and Mane Mane actually stopped it. Not it, you know it wasn't his fault. It was hit. It was hit really hard. Um, yeah. And it came at him at, at him quickly, but um, but if it does go through, I, I genuinely believe that <laughs> that Milner at least you know has a, a good chance of scoring or even to to square it to someone in the center. Um, but yeah, his uh, that his passing from the back because uh, Gomez has actually offered that a lot this season. Yeah, um, surprisingly too. Yeah, for Gomez. yeah, and so it's been it's been noticeable when Lovren plays instead because Lovren is not I and like you know I Lovren has positive qualities I'm not I'm not going to sit here and 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 slate Lovren for everything um but he is skirtle like he is that he's just he plays with like a lot of physicality and a lot of like the macho side of things where he's like I'm just going to be the like meanest dude out here and just like and just try to win everything in the air and all that stuff. Um, whereas whereas Matip is just kind of you know similar to Van Dyke and Gomez. They're the more cultured, like more. All right, I'm gonna make sure I'm in the right position to deal with everything, and then I'm gonna pick my opportunities to actually contribute to the rest of the team in other phases of play. Um, and I think that's where I think that's where you see so much difference when. When Mata, you know, controls the ball and Napoli back off, he's like, "All right, well, I'm just gonna keep moving Pick into the space." You it, know, yeah. that's what I don't. I don't mind. Like, I'll carry the ball forward, um, and it it just it holds teams. Like, I've heard other people talk about, um, you know, during a game, you can kind of get a sense of like where teams are set up, you know, and it's average positions and all that stuff. Kind of show those those maps. Kind of show where guys ended up over the 90 minutes, but you can see in different phases of the game or different times of the game, kind of where, where we're set up. And when you have, when you have the defenders that can drive forward a little bit and play those passes into attack, it keeps us like 10 or 15 yards further up the field. You know, it's like, we're not pinned in so much, uh, like as if, you know, when you have a guy who's just going to boot it, they can, they can kind of take a risk and say like, Oh, we're just going to move our defense up a little bit. Yeah. But when you can, when you have a guy who can play a through ball from, you know, from defense, um, it's, it, you, you kind of have to sit back to, to anticipate stuff like that. So yeah, Matip's passing, uh, just, just sets him apart for yeah. me from, from Lovren. Um, I'm not saying Lovren doesn't have a place in terms of like, he'll definitely, we'll need minutes out of Lovren especially now that we're in like a <laughs> legit injury crisis, uh, which we'll get to, but the, uh, but yeah, I, uh, Matip like gave such a good account of himself, which is why I'll, I'll pose this question now is Kaladu Koulibaly. And I'm going to pose it exactly as I wrote it. Is he <laughs> definitely an asshole for breaking Matip's collarbone right at the final whistle? Dude, I got to be honest with you until I read you posing the question in our outline, I had no idea that happened. Like I, I, I didn't see it. I didn't see it then. I haven't seen anything 
on Twitter since then too. Yeah. So I don't know. You 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 have to answer that. <laughs> I, I by default I just want to say yes. But now I'm thinking maybe the transfer rumors are true. And he's just making sure <laughs> he's that he's making room in that, the <laughs> that he's gotta clean out a little space <laughs> to get into this squad. He's like, Yeah, this center back position's pretty crowded, so I'm gonna make sure that I got a spot. Man, my, my this Matip dude's been playing pretty well. I got to take him out. Yeah. So no, it's it, it's crazy because at first when um, so right at the final whistle, like literally the whistle goes a second later. Um, Koulibaly goes up for a header with with Matip and really charges into it, and the referee whistles for a foul oh, against yeah. him, and then Matip's still on the ground, and then he blows the final whistle before we take the free kick. And everybody's celebrating and everyone's caught up in the moment. Matip stays on the ground for like a <laughs> long time. Um, and it's funny because it didn't get any play in terms of no, nothing. the fact that they're like, ooh, Matip like felt that one or is a bit sore or whatever. No, like <laughs> this dude led with his forearm and broke his collarbone. Like that is a, that is a bad. <laughs> is, yeah, it was. A, is, I, I remember the challenge now, but it, yeah. even at the time I didn't. You know, there, it this, didn't seem Matip's like curse is that nobody's really been thinking about him. Right. Um, <laughs> but I was like, I was like, oh, shit, you can't go into like uh, Allison like that. You, like definite foul. Uh, right. Aside from the fact, I think they were all offside, too. Right. But but yeah, I, I didn't even notice it at the time. But I do remember like Mata being pictured like holding his shoulder, too. So whenever they were like, oh, it just scans or something like that, I'm like, mm, I don't know. So, yeah, now we're um, things. It's getting a little thin. Yeah. Um, um, back. yeah, well, and we'll get there in a second. So the last thing I want to touch on just because it's, it's, there's been a couple of, of matches this season where I've noticed stuff and I just want to get a sense of whether you're, whether you're kind of seeing this as well or, or whether it's just me being, being the paranoid, like Liverpool fan. Um, but, um, so the first question I'll ask is like, cool Bali's an asshole. Um, and he doesn't get booked for, destroying Matip for six weeks. <laughs> um, but uh, the other the other challenge of note that got all kinds of social media play as well, um, and I do have a villain. I have another villain to propose if, if, uh, if needed, but... Um, we always need more villains. But the tackle, the tackle from Verge um, on Dries Mertens uh, early on, um, what, what did you think about it? And, and then, like... What was your reaction when it happened? And then what was your reaction when you kind of saw the replay? Um, and then to the referee booking him kind of after the <laughs> yeah. fact? Well, just the initial reaction is, I mean, when when Verge would first start doing that, we'd all freak out. Now it's like, oh, it's just it's just business as usual. Then whenever they stop play or whatever, like, what, like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, it tackled it. We clearly <laughs> got the ball first. Yeah. Then when they showed the slow motion instant replay – I'm just sitting there mesmerized by it because it really is the most like picturesque tackle of just this like absolute specimen just <laughs> cleaning out the ball. But then as he keeps going, you're like, he could, I, I'm surprised like he didn't shatter his leg. Yeah. Um, not necessarily the fault of Van Dyke. Um, because it's kind of like, you know, if you're on the tracks and a freight train is coming through, you're probably going to get smashed to pieces. You're going to get hit. That being yeah. said, <laughs> I'll say yeah. I, I I think yellow. You can say like I don't know. Studs weren't really up, but it was elevated, and he just like 
destroyed his leg. I'm thinking like if that would have happened to a Liverpool player, same for like Gomez or others. Um, and what was the um, uh, who was the challenge on, uh, against PSG? Oh, Verratti. That was way Verratti, worse. Yeah. That was way worse though. Let's no, yeah, that, that one was awful <laughs> because it, it was just a shit tackle. Like that was Vince no ball tackled. and and high and yeah, in high and could have broke. But yeah, but Van Dyke's was just like it was a just about everything was was perfect about that tackle. Looking at it, like if there's no player around, it's like oh my god. Yeah. But, but it was a little bit high, you know. Yeah. Caught, caught the player and on on his <laughs> inside tibia or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but no, I I think yellow. This whole this whole debate about and then you get everything from uh, like uh, Ramos's thing on on Salah and all that too. Mm-hmm. It, it's not even in the same the same league as some of these other challenges because he's just got eyes on the ball. It's an incredible tackle. He's just six foot four. I don't know, 220 pounds of like Dutch muscle. That's just, (laughs) (laughs) that's just been shaped into this defensive machine. Right. And Insignia or whatever just got, just got on the bad end of it. I, uh, I felt, um, it felt weird watching, verge slide into a tackle because it it feels like it's been (laughs) i don't know i like it feels like he has that might that might have been his first slide tackle in his liverpool career he gets angry too yeah somebody said that on twitter somebody was like i love watching verge get angry when he has to do actual defending yeah (laughs) (laughs) exactly that's what whenever he has to whenever he has to break a sweat doing his job it's it's someone is getting is someone is getting just a an absolute shit kicking verbally from uh from Verge. Like, <laughs> I mean, we talked about it first game of the first game of the season. He goes in on Sadio Mane for not stopping the cross like into the box because he has to head it away. Um, so the the one thing that I noticed, and and I you can you can you know, I just want to see if you if you see this too. But the one thing that I saw in this game, and and it's it's consistently been chalked up to, um, oh, you know, English teams play more physically and in the premier league, they don't whistle for as many fouls and the European referees just whistle for more fouls for, you know, for more of the like little stuff in the middle of the park type thing. Mm -hmm. I, what I see or what I, what I think I see at least in at least in this game and then definitely the game in Paris was a a referee who was putting himself in a position where he didn't have he wasn't at any risk to make a big decision um he was he was the guy who was like you know what i'm just going to i'm going to call these little fouls in the middle of the park they're not going to be dangerous free kicks they're not going to be you know they're not going to put anybody in into the advantage basically um mm-hmm. and i'm going to let myself off the hook uh and so there were so many times it felt like any time a napoli player was pressed into trouble he just gave he gave a free kick because it oh, was yeah. it it was like oh no you you raised an arm or or something like that and it felt like he was just letting them off the hook like time after time where but you know i don't know that the standard of refereeing is all that different from what we see 
in England either. Um, because the fouls they call could could easily be given in England as well. Well, it was it was horrific, and that's that that's a a notice trend more so, especially in the Premier League, with the the lack of penalties that are given in front of the cop, like just completely outside of the norm. That leads you to believe. Now, for us to say like, oh, it's like this conscious thing that referees or or the league are trying to do. No, you know, I don't, I don't like going into conspiracy theories like that, but there is this kind of like subconscious like battle that referees probably have to go into that's really tough. But this was a hor- – you're exactly right. It was horribly managed by the referee, and it is something that I noticed not just in Europe but also in the Premier League. Are, and I feel like it's all like Mo Salah. Like what he – puts up with for 90 minutes <laughs> is brutal. And I, and I, maybe the only other player I, I think that goes through something similar might be Eden Hazard. Mm-hmm. Those two are just brutalized for 90 minutes. <laughs> and granted, I think for the most part, like they're the type of players that are going to stay on their feet. They're going to fight through it. Was it Moe's third for his hat trick or his, one of his goals where he just absolutely the, gets like swiped. Yeah, his second, his second and, against Bournemouth. Yeah, the guy yeah, just stands just on his Achilles. <laughs> like just yeah, is raked over. It should have been a red. It should have been a red. Well, the, the, and that's what I'm saying too. And there's another moment I think Mo, Mo or somebody else gets hauled down in the box, mm-hmm. um, or not hauled down, but just blatantly grabbed. Yeah. Um, and, and stays on his feet. No penalty too. Yeah. But then when it switched. And a team like Napoli is trying to play it out of the back. You can't bail them out. Like if they're taking that tactical approach, right? You you can't gift them that because then it's then it just fuels fuels that that kind of approach that they're going to take. Because <laughs> or you you've got to call it fair. Because like if if Mo's going to take that type of abuse, and yet he goes over to a player and God knows breathes on him. Mm-hmm. And then they whistle a flag. Like that's the trend that I see yeah. in both Europe and the Premier League. And I get it to a certain extent, but but not at the level that we're seeing it at too. It's just yeah, completely blatant. Yeah, the uh, it is it is interesting to watch just because it's so on on Salah's goal. Actually, I was really concerned as he spun away from. Um, uh, whoever their left back was, I guess it was Mario Rui. Um, so he, he spins away from him and his arm is kind of left out because they were, they were kind of close together and he spins off him. And I thought yeah. the second his arm was extended, I thought like they're going to whistle for a <laughs> foul. Cause that was just the way it had been going. He, he wasn't allowed to play physically. Um, yeah. and, and they could, you know, do, do as they pleased. Um, but, uh, luckily it wasn't, it wasn't whistled. Um, the, the interesting thing though, is that at some point, and I think, I think, uh, you know, Premier League referees are eventually going to have to come to terms with this. Uh, but the, (laughs) at some point there is going to have to be some form of protection, um, for, for some of these players, because the amount of, I mean, we saw it with Steve Cook with Bournemouth with raking down the Achilles 
that has to be, you know, you, there's a cynical foul where you kick his heels and bring him down, you know, um, or just, <laughs> just, you know, trip him or whatever cynically and, and draw a yellow, but we can't keep giving yellows for stuff that, that are, that are blatant reds. Um, and then the second thing is that the, these referees have to have the courage to, to send people off, um, either, you know, if it's a straight red or a second yellow, cause the one that the most prominent one was Verratti, you know, in Paris. Yeah. He gets away with a straight red, only receives a yellow and then commits like three more fouls Late in fouls, the game. Yeah. And and he's he was never in danger of getting a second yellow. Like everybody knew that he wasn't going to get sent off. <laughs> well, and it's that that to me the PSG one, the the level of refereeing, and I think the the fact that we actually get penalties at Anfield in the Champions <laughs> in League Europe, kind yeah. of papers over the cracks a little bit. <laughs> but but PSG to me it was almost almost just like blatant. Like mm-hmm. I, I was thinking of the NBA when you brought that up because the NBA, when they had what in the eighties and the nineties, even into the early two thousands, just uh, this defensive mindset that was not good for the game, mm-hmm. right? And so there's ways that that you can amplify it with rule changes by cracking down on things, by emphasizing things too. The Premier League's always done that, right? And it helps the game when you remove that, like. There's nobody except for maybe the people that love Brexit. There's <laughs> nobody that <laughs> that wants to see that, right? right? Like nobody wants to see a player's Achilles get like kicked out of their skin or something like that. <laughs> so that's what I'm kind of thinking of. But then continuing with like what the NBA had done, there's always this NBA kind of like, oh, we'll favor the big teams. We'll make, we'll make this interesting. And, and it almost seemed like overly blatant in the PSG match too mm-hmm. with Napoli. I think you're exactly right. It's kind of like this, uh, let's do hands off. Let's just make sure there's not, you know, not a lot of controversy going on, but PSG, it was just, it, it was tough. It was tough to watch. Um, and even I think Jurgen was, Jurgen was complaining of it, uh, after the match too. Yeah. That, and that it's funny because there are going to be a lot of people, um, there are going to be a lot of people who who say that he's he's complaining because he's not getting protect. You know, the Sean Dyches of the world um, are gonna are gonna say that Jurgen's just just complaining and and you know wants his his players to be treated def- differently. But the bottom line is that when a team comes out to play that way and knows that they can get away with certain with certain stuff against <laughs> against Liverpool's attackers they're going to play that way and, and they're going to disrupt the game and they're going to, to try to, to play physically. Um, and we've seen, you know, we've seen Mo carry on through, um, through some, some tough stuff, even in the champions league last year, uh, against city, you know, we saw, we saw Sadio try to run through about three challenges <laughs> away at the Etihad and, and finally gets brought down and, and solid chips Ederson. But, um, but they're, you know, if they, have that understand if if teams come in knowing that they can play right on the edge of of what's you know fit or even you know in certain cases they can they can go over the edge and and still get away with it then it we the the game is going to suffer um but also we're going to see kind of the situation that we're in where we end up with a bunch of guys on the injury list and uh and so 
<laughs> we're headed into the weekend a little uh, a little threadbare at the back. We're we're limping in there. I let you know. I actually searched for like because I wanted a list of uh, like who all was injured. And I whenever I was searching, I think it was like Liverpool injury updates. It's happening in real time now because I closed out of it. But <laughs> but I got two. Oh, they're not coming up again, too. But it was like the Manchester Daily, whatever, mm-hmm. and they had two back-to-back posts. Like the top one was like Liverpool, like suffering injury crisis coming into Manchester, <laughs> and then the one right beneath it was United suffering injury crisis ahead of Liverpool match too. <laughs> so we're both kind of <laughs> both Liverpool and United are kind of limping into the uh, the, the showdown this weekend, but. But but yeah, you always feel like your 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 squad or your team is especially aggrieved right. um, whenever there are injuries to be had. So no, I, I mean I don't know, especially in defense, like we're the the pickings are slim. We uh, so we head in to the knockout ra- the knockout rounds of the Champions League. We are in as as group runners up. Um, have you seen the the potential draw? um scenarios for us we got some uh <laughs> we didn't put that in here right we we got to talk about that like yeah like what what's the ideal draw so right. yeah we, we we've got madrid barcelona bayern porto dortmund who am i missing um well we have Um, we can't, we can't draw, we can't draw PSG and we can't draw city. Um, you, did you say Juventus? No, I didn't. I think that's no. the only one that you, that you, yeah. Out. So, um, so yeah, I took the, uh, I took the liberty of going on a, on a draw simulator just to see <laughs> what, what popped out back um, to our, our world cup. Yeah. Free world cup, uh, Random draws. This so is you got. Uh, this is the most. This is the most UEFA draw of all time. Like this is <laughs> this is rigged as hell. So, <laughs> so is this the who's fallen? Who's fallen furthest? Yeah. Third? So so Liverpool first first ball out of the out of the bowl. Liverpool against Dortmund. <laughs> one one. It's the Klopp. It's the Klopp matchup. Two Dortmund is the most informed team probably in Europe right now. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, aside from Liverpool, I guess. So, um, so obviously knocking one of us out. That's in, <laughs> as early as possible. That's the that's the ideal situation we for UEFA. We gotta crush these underdogs. PSG get Schalke it, in a shock to absolutely no one. The, one of the weakest yeah. teams in the draw. Um, Manchester United draw Real Madrid. The one year that Madrid sucks. um Bayern faces Atletico Madrid uh both teams kind of like better in the Champions League than they have been in in their domestic leagues yeah um City get Roma um so that's a a juicy matchup that's a that's a nice a nice tie uh Tottenham draw Porto which would be obviously a gift for them into the into the I'm even upset by this non-existent hype hypothetical draw that yeah. Tottenham <laughs> no these them. last three these last three are pure are pure UEFA so Tottenham, <laughs> Tottenham Porto 
and then Juventus get Ajax, and Barcelona gets Lyon, which is more of a challenge than Barcelona normally face at this yeah. stage of the competition. So maybe this is well Yeah, off. normally it's Arsenal. <laughs> or no, I think it's Bayern normally. Yeah, Bayern or Barcelona <laughs> always get Arsenal. have the pleasure of uh, knocking them out, too. Yeah, so... Um, I, I think as far as the ideal draw, um, I mean, Porto is, is the best draw. Um, yeah, they're the weak link. We would love to, to put another five past Porto, um, obviously. And meeting him at this stage would just be deja vu, uh, for the poor, the poor (laughs) Portuguese team. But, uh, but I think, I think in terms of, you know, understanding where the teams are at now and, and where we're at. I would love to get another shot at Madrid now oh, because it's basically the, like a dream scenario. It's like a superhero movie where you face the supervillain and you're not quite at the height of your powers <laughs> and you haven't figured out, you know, your, your arch nemesis yet. And then this would be like the you know the the final battle where the the protagonist gets another shot and they <laughs> they know the they know the weakness and they and they have the they have the you know the the arch villain on the on the ropes. So I think I I want Madrid just because I would love to get a shot at them now uh, <laughs> when yeah. when they're weak. <laughs> yeah, there is uh, there is that like big game mentality once you get into the knockout rounds where maybe they're they're a little bit scarier too um i don't know yeah like i don't know if there's in terms of like a team that i want to avoid i agree with you i think madrid if we're being honest like if we want to continue porto's the best like they're the weak link in in the group um but yeah, the dream draw would be revenge of Madrid and knocking them out in the round of sixteen and continuing their <laughs> their their kind of semi crisis at the club too. But right. uh, but no, yeah, I mean, I don't know. We uh, that performance against Napoli gave us back because what it was right after the first leg or not first leg, but first round against uh, uh, PSG, where we still kind of had our our European swagger, and I think. I'm not going to say we, I think I said like, are we the best like big game club or are we the, the, the best team in the world in a sense that we can beat anybody. Right. And, and that definitely stuttered this season, but what I saw a, a little bit against the away leg in, in PSG where we kind of fought back into it definitely against Napoli. I don't know. I think we're, we're still the team that, that, other clubs fear um but no if i'm being honest city till city still terrify me like <laughs> that, that would be that would be a nightmare but we can't draw them right we can't draw them in the uh, round not, 16 yeah not yet quarterfinals is the first is the first chance yeah. and uh but any any of them are good like you said like byron atletico mm-hmm. maybe not quite the club or, or or at the level that they usually are um i think you'd say the same thing about barcelona Madrid, I think PSG and City may be maybe the strongest, mm-hmm. but but PSG still have that vulnerability to them too. So um, uh, no, I, I I'm with you on Madrid. Yeah, the dream the dream for the next two rounds is that uh, we get drawn against Madrid and and get revenge, 
and then in the quarterfinals get drawn against United, who have somehow advanced through some freak <laughs> accident. Uh, and, because they got Porto. And we get to knock them out as well. Um, and that would not actually be a shock. Actually, yeah, that would not be a shocking draw if United get Porto because it's the Mourinho. It would basically be the same as it, you know, it's the Klopp Dortmund. Yeah. Mourinho Porto connection. So, um, or in the ultimate like Mourinho move, he he throws he throws the match, the two matches against Porto, and then immediately switches and goes back to coach <laughs> to manage the team. Yeah, you can't cup tie a manager. So the uh... <laughs> so speaking of that absolute dickhead and the club that he manages currently. Um, I, I do want to talk a little bit about the preview for this weekend. So we talked a little bit about the defensive crisis um, and we have a lot of people who are unavailable. There's rumors that Trent's in a, in a protective boot playing battlefield five. So um, <laughs> <laughs> I missed I miss that rumor. There was a picture like leaked of him in a, in a battlefield five tournament or something like that at an event. <laughs> and he had a, he had a boot on in the picture. Um, so with, with our, with our injuries, who do you expect to, to start? I think right back is the one where is the one that's up in the air right now, because <laughs> neither, you know, if if it is Trent and Gomez unavailable um, in that in that right back position, who who do you back to to start there against United? You you know what I want to say. <laughs> <laughs> we, I, I want I want Klein. I want Klein back there. Yeah, he's I, listed I on think... the injury list as well. I... Is I don't know on, how. Is he injured? I don't know how. Uh, how is he injured? <laughs> what was he doing? He. I, I, don't, I know. don't know. I, I don't know. Klein is still like really young. Not really young, but pretty young too. Like I. <laughs> I don't know. Like it, it's good that we no longer need him to be like <laughs> the heart of our defense. Right. But. I don't know. We can't go to a back three. No. Unless we. We we move Fabinho into his out now center back. Right. I don't. I, I'm gonna throw. I'm gonna throw a curveball here. I'm gonna say uh, Genie Wijnaldum. Genie Wijnaldum, right back. <laughs> I mean, he's played center back for us. Yeah, under he's, Klopp, he's done. So. He's done just about everything. <laughs> I I really think I don't know. I it depends on how how Milner's feeling. Um, obviously, fitness wise, he's like up there with with some of the you know fittest players at the club but you know after a game like he played against Napoli and ending the game with cramps and all that stuff he he is older you know the, he does age uh as much as he tries to make us forget <laughs> that he that he is aging um so i think his fitness matters a lot but i wouldn't be too overly shocked if we saw if we saw Milner employed there again, um, I've seen a couple of shouts for Fabinho back there because he does, he has played there for Brazil. I don't, I don't want to say he does play there for Brazil because <laughs> I think it's more of a, he has <laughs> played like a friendly <laughs> as a yeah. right back, but his skill set doesn't strike me as, yeah, this guy should be running up and down the wing for, uh, <laughs> for Liverpool football club. So, well, 
and and it was what the uh, either the last match or the last time United United got one over on us was Rashford cutting in on the left against against Trent, Trent at the time yeah. too, um, which you know and, and Trent they followed it with City and he locked down side. So we we've been through all that before, right. but that was that was that kind of targeted position where they went directly at Lovren in the air. And then they had Rashford attacking um, our our right back too, so that's that. That's a concern for us too. Like we've been joking, like Lukaku's been like ungodly in terms of his <laughs> performances this season. <laughs> so you know he's just going to turn it on and and yeah. just absolutely destroy Lovren again. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's been he's been pure Benteke for about for about three months now. Oh, he's been Benteke in real hard. <laughs> Well, I don't know. I like. I don't. I, I don't know. Like, I, I think Genie could do it. Like, Genie could fill in it right back. It'll probably be something like Fabinho or something like that. I would just love Fabinho to get a chance to help kind of control and solidify the defense and, and, and play in the six. Like right. Fabinho in the six, Nabby, whoever else you need there, and then get get a Milner. Get a genie, somebody who's flexible enough um, and positionally sound enough to to play in right back. Because right. I mean, it it sounds like they're all yeah <laughs> they're, they're all gone. So so if for me, um, I think I know the way that that Klopp will go with this midfield. Yeah. Um, but the way that I've seen that having seen United play. Some of these performances they're putting in are just, I mean, they're they're shocking. Like, it really is, you know, for for someone like when I when I started following Liverpool, like, you know, United was that team that just always found a way. Always like it yeah. didn't matter whether they were good or bad, they always won. And there, some of these performances, and and I think they've done it a little bit this season in terms of finding a way to to get points out of out of nothing. Um, but the they just look objectively bad in so many areas, <laughs> and so with the amount of issues that they have, like um, I think they're gonna have to like buy. It's gonna be a, a pairing of buy and Phil Jones at center back, and we saw <laughs> Phil Jones because I think Smalling and Rojo are both hurt. Um, Alexis Sanchez is hurt. Marcial is hurt, which is a a godsend. Um, yeah. If he if he does not if he does not play Alexis Sanchez, I I wish he was playing. I'd yeah. rather <laughs> I'd rather him than Rashford. Um, but the uh, <laughs> but with with the way that they've been playing and with to me the quality of that of that defense and even the midfield because to me Matic is is past it. Like yeah, he's he's been, he's been horrible, and without Matic playing well. Pogba is a non-entity, basically. Um, he he's not he's a luxury player playing in a midfield that needs him to be more than that. So to me, I would put as much as many problems into that midfield as possible. Oh yeah, well um, that's what uh, I even kind of said too. Was I know I just know Herrera is going to be their man marking Salah, right? And you. 
from what I've seen, because he he can do it against Salah, against uh, Hazard and others, Mm -hmm. like you can get away with that. Like you can't get away with it in terms of, you know, 11 players man marking 11 (laughs) because, you know, that was outdated a hundred years ago. Right. But you can give up positionally, typically the midfield if if you man mark a player. Like it's easy to, it's easy to nullify that player, right? It's not, it's not a, a, a tactic. Maybe it's a tactically astute move, but you're sacrificing so that you can basically nullify a, a player of that caliber too. So I, I, I'm almost convinced we're just going to see her man marking Sala yeah. in a, in an attempt to like remove his his potency against the defense. So that's why I'm really kind of excited for the possibility of Kate to get in. And if there's that, if Matic is in there and others are Pogba, that that he could find space. And if they do pull Herrera to kind of man Mark Sala, mm-hmm. then you have just this opportunity for a, a midfield runner to just drive right at them and then set up Firmino to set up Mane. And and so that's that's what I'm kind of hoping for. Mm-hmm. Um is is that we do have somebody like Fabinho in the six, Nabi in the eight, to to just wreak havoc and to be able to create if there's space there. I uh, I would just the way I've seen United play it, it feels like this would be the time to unleash the most attacking <laughs> of, of midfields, and and by that I mean so this four two three one that we've kind of seen. Um, I don't love because obviously, you know, Bobby drops deeper and, and kind of gets taken out of the game a little bit more, although <laughs> he's been a lot better um, the last, the last few games in, ter- in terms of asserting himself. But I would say that if, and I know Klopp won't do it because it is like, it's a <laughs> little bit crazy, but if, if you start, uh, if if you start Keita and Fabinho and Shakiri, because <laughs> because at that point you've given United too many problems, they can't just man mark Salah out of the game and say yeah. okay job done. Like they have other shit to deal with at that point. Um, and so to me, like it may sacrifice a bit of control, but we could be out of sight by the time that even matters. Like that's the, that's the, the dream is like, I would just go, I would try to score four in the first 20 <laughs> like, because it's, I mean, they're, they're vulnerable for it, but also it's, it's to me, Mourinho's game against us is always contain until 60. And then we'll see what happens. Toss yeah. Fellaini on and, and see if we can <laughs> like, the, I mean, last year, Last year he used the kick it up to you know De Gea to Lukaku nodded on for Lukaku Rashford. flick yeah that was that was his whole game plan and it, and it worked because Lovren wasn't strong enough and and didn't didn't deal with it this year I mean that that's probably his approach offensively again but if that is his approach that <laughs> means that we're gonna have the ball quite a bit um, yeah because Lukaku's not winning every header. You know, um, and I I just think that 
the more positive players that are in there and the more problems that we give that, you know, where Matic is going to have to track back, Pogba is going to have to track back, and he's not going to. So that leaves now Herrera man-marking Salah, but he's also got Shakiri standing right next to him. He's yeah. like, all right, who am I Who am I following? Who am I going with? <laughs> um, and so well, Because he'll, where, stick, he'll stick with Salah too, and that right. will just give Shakiri. You know, like Shakiri likes cutting in, mm-hmm. not necessarily all the way down, like into the final third, but like cutting in just before too. Right. So just imagine, like, if they're not tracking back, and if he's stuck out there with probably Bali or Jones, mm-hmm. one of those two also going to be there. Like, there's just going to be so much space too that that left side can, whether it's like Mane or Firmino being there, Robertson overlapping too. Yeah. Yeah. So if that man marking is in place, I, I think you're right. The four three three gets the best out of our front three, but if if he is getting man marked too, then having Shakiri there as that as that alternative to kind of like swoop in right. would be. I don't know. Yeah. Like how <laughs> on paper, it makes a lot of sense. And that's what, I mean, obviously Klopp will do the, the, the hard analysis and training and, and making sure that he's making, yeah. you know, well, picking the right players. But I just, I really think that this is a game of creating overload and just too many, giving them too many dilemmas to handle because they're, yeah. they're clearly, I mean, they've just shown against pretty substandard opposition as well their their champions league group it was absurd like that they got <laughs> you know Juve and no one else um but that and they were still lucky <laughs> to to do what they did in it in that group um you know how many late Fellaini goals do you need but the <laughs> uh but the really interesting thing to me is just it doesn't look like Mourinho it it doesn't it doesn't remind me of Mourinho at, at, you know, in his peak years at Chelsea where it was, it may have been boring and it may have been a lot of one nils, but it was controlled. This is like, this is just hoping that you make it like level into the 75th minute and then toss (laughs) Fellaini on and and just pray, just pray that something happens. Um, And they've, they've won a lot of points from like losing positions and stuff like that. But, um, but to me, this is all about grabbing the lead as early as you can and and then yeah. forcing United to chase the game. That, that's... I think so because that it, it's not going to be – maybe they've been up for larger matches against like – I mean City kind of pushed them aside, but yeah. like Arsenal, Chelsea. But it's, it's going to be United-Liverpool. Right. So you know it's not just going to be the same like laid-back approach – like, uh, like not, not really putting in all the effort in like right. the, the players, the players will be go, will be up for it just because of the magnitude of it too. For sure. So an early goal can creep that, creep that feeling back into a squad. That's, that's clearly just the most underperforming squad. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not in Europe, but definitely within, within the premier league. Yeah. All I know is that, obviously, aside from the fact that I want Liverpool to win, the biggest output I want from this are hilarious Mourinho memes. Um, <laughs> that That's what I want. I want him to, to toss stuff in anger. I want him to kick the railing, all of that stuff. I, I just, I would also love the the one 
really great thing just because it would make United fans so mad would be if our first Anfield penalty in, in a long, long time was given <laughs> <laughs> yeah. against against them. I'll, I'll say this too. Like we've maybe not recently, but we've had a knack for putting up some crooked score lines and ousting managers and having that be their farewell. And how sweet would it be if if we were to put up four or five on United and Mourinho's out, like that's the last straw. <laughs> Mourinho's out. Like uh, we, uh, that that's just like some weight in your back pocket that you can throw around for <laughs> at United while. fans yeah. for a long time. <laughs> I can't talk trash to Fernie because he's blocked me, but <laughs> but I'm hoping somebody in El Paso will. Someone with thicker skin, yeah. No, the uh, so. Yeah, anyone any if that if that happened certainly we'd be <laughs> we'd be on on a a different level here but um so I I don't I don't even want to it's tough to predict these type of matches obviously um I know what I want to happen I I don't know what will happen um uh, because it is a game against United so I'm not even going to force you into predicting what the score will be <laughs> cuz that's just it, it, it because we're terrible at it. Well, we are, but aside from that, it's especially playing a Mourinho team. I I, I couldn't tell you, you know, what this. There's just there's no way of knowing what what's going to happen gonna out be, there. There's going to be some shit housing going on, and that's yeah. that's all you know about a Mourinho game. Absolutely. Um, so I want to I want to move move away. I it'll be it'll be a lot of fun. We're we're getting it's just an hour early that that RCB is going to open up for the El Paso Reds. Ooh, um, okay. And uh we're going to Oh, 9 o'clock there. game for you guys, right? Yeah, 9 9 a.m. and on a Sunday, so just a a, a short hour wait until we can uh That's you, you got to do. Get the but... food out and uh and get the uh get the drinks in, but um the yeah, That's so not it's a nice uh <laughs> It's a nice time for kickoff, and and hopefully it'll be a good crowd out there because obviously it's nice to to have a little bit of atmosphere when when United come to town. Yeah, you need a little something. Yeah. So are you? I mean, are you going to be in the doghouse? I mean, you got to be more specific about <laughs> what. Yeah, we we will be. We got uh, we 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 came every time now, mostly for Champions League game. We come across the odd traveler. That's there for uh, for a Liverpool match, but yeah, I think we'll have we'll have some numbers out. It's one of our uh, shout out to a song for DS. It's his birthday tomorrow, I think, or actually in in Central Time here in two minutes uh, as we're <laughs> as we're doing the Gringos after hours here. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he's hangover notwithstanding, he's going to try to make it. We've got our, our our usual numbers too, so. Hoping for a good put out too. There's not. There, I, I haven't seen too much of a United following here. Like Arsenal, you know, and cockroaches. They're just everywhere. You know, yeah. you can't get rid of them. They're <laughs> so they've got they've got a strong showing here. Um, but but yeah. So I'm hoping the uh, the the doghouse guys show us Liverpool supporters some love. So yeah, we'll we'll be there at 10 a.m. Nice. And uh, so yeah, happy birthday to to Chris. Uh, a, a long time, <laughs> short time friend of the pod. <laughs> <laughs> um, so as we as we move into our heroes and villains, we've got our our hero. I mean, he's a Hall of Famer from the Two Red Gringos Hall uh, Social Media Hall of Fame. 
Twitter Hall of Fame, and and so you've got you've nominated Simon Brundish. He's it's th- too hard. This is probably like it, his it, third nomination, I think. Oh yeah, he you know he's just he's like Mo Salah. He's just going to be given the award to <laughs> to whoever's next to him now. Yeah, this point. But I do love what did the Wedding Crashers quote where. <laughs> he's pretty, he's like he's already in the hall of fame like that, that's that's the simon brunish yeah. the the babu the you know the the dan kennett's everybody too right but just because uh, even i was trying to call bullshit on side whenever he first like rolls out like he sees the 11 he's complaining about leaks meanwhile we're all going on about like what's Klopp thinking with with this midfield three the flat three is we like to call it whenever they don't perform well right and, and his is just like, fuck it, you know, in, in, <laughs> in the language that he normally has, like Mo's Mo's going to carry us. And that was the game plan. Like it went, it went through Mo. He scored an incredible goal. He got us through. So, to me, Mo was my like hands down man of the match. Like Allison yeah. got a lot of love afterwards too for the last save, but just yeah. so much of that game was dictated by Mo. And Psy calls it just from the start, right? He's right. saying even if the front, even if that mid three is the same thing, Mo's just in the form of his, not even of his life. Mo's just back into into his usual form too. So he was right. my he was my Twitter hero of the week as uh, as as he normally is too for his <laughs> not usually his calm and cool headedness, but <laughs> his uh, his demeanor before the match and and calling it like it was. Absolutely. Yeah. It is refreshing to have, to have the, uh, just that understanding and kind of the self-awareness as a, (laughs) as a Liverpool fan to just know, you know what, sometimes you're going to rely on, on your big players. It's just, it's the nature of the game. Um, and, and Mo in typical style delivered, um, a, a fantastic performance. Yeah. I can't, you definitely can't argue uh, with Mo being the man of the match because he had so much influence over it, over how Napoli set up and and over how um, how we performed throughout. So now now we're moving into a bit of unknown territory because you've you've left me in the dark. Uh, so <laughs> so for the villain, this our social media villain, who uh, who is this surprise nomination? I'm going to start by saying I'm being a little bit of a dickhead with this because, um, you know, everybody's social media page is their own and they're entitled to it and however they want to run it. But 11 Tegan 11 has given us just gold from like, I think it really picked up last season, Yeah. but this season they've, I don't know, adjusted their, their, their marketing, whatever they're doing, because now they funnel their xg and to me i I just always love their xg like it wasn't always it didn't always match up with others but to me i always just saw it and i'm like okay that's probably what what reflected most accurately the chances were in the match right but then also their the the pass maps and the positioning too Mm -hmm. it was just immediate like last season like an hour or two after the match we can go on we can see like you know, did <laughs> they, they, they provided our, like, what was our eye test? And then that these were kind of like some of the facts to back it up. Right. And this season I'm going there and I'm like, uh, you know, I'm left wanting after, you know, for the first few hours after the match or something <laughs> like that too, because now it just gets not farmed out, but funneled through their, their between the post sites. Yeah. Um, and sometimes gets delayed. Uh, 
I don't know, not just delayed, but sometimes they, there's not as much right. as when they just rolled it out automatically. And yeah. I think that's, you know, that's their choice in, in terms of providing content that they can make uh, more money off of because it really is just like a cut above and, and a different standard. Yeah. But, you know, when they give that to you on a platter and then take it away, that is why 11 Tegan 11 <laughs> has been my – I, I, I've tried to mention it a few times now, but I finally <laughs> had the courage, the courage to say it is the, uh, the, the Twitter villain of the episode for, for taking the content away. They're, they're the NBC sports gold of, of football Twitter in that they were offering a product for, you know, free of charge and, and at high volume. And then, uh, and then they decided to, to take most of it away. Um, and, uh, only show you the, the parts that they want. Just the few, you know, they're just going to sprinkle it out here. And yeah. it's just not the, <laughs> it's just not the old reliable like it was last year too. Right. But uh, no, I mean, so for them too, like the level of analysis that they put out mm-hmm. is like, it, it, it's like club level. So the fact that we were just getting that <laughs> given to us. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think it's really helped dictate like, uh, I don't know from, I don't, I don't know how much like info goal, Others have have used it, but I mm-hmm. think they were just kind of the the standard bearer for it too. So, yeah. sad to see it not not be as frequent too. So yeah. it's only because we we love what they do so much. Yeah, of course. I I really I really enjoy their XG because it showed it uh, as a timeline as well. So you, yeah, one of the things that everybody complains about when they see XG maps of of where the shots are taken from. The first thing that anyone will throw back at you is, uh, well, it doesn't take the game state into effect or yeah. in, or into consideration. Um, and when you show it chronologically, like like Eleven Tegan Eleven does, you can t- you can personally take into account. Okay, this is a you know a high quality chance that was created early in the game at zero zero, you know, and not not something like we saw kind of towards the end of, of Liverpool Napoli where there were about three high quality chances created because Napoli was just hey, screw it. We're, we're, yeah. you know, everybody's forward um, where we still had created, you know, some big chances early in the game. Um, yeah. And we can also like keep it in check too. You know, we can say in, in and not that we're we can inform them on on what they need to improve, but you can look back at that chance and it helps. It just does such a good job of just like you said, like clarifying it for people that that question it. Because you can look at that and say, like, well, why was Firmino was like five yards five yards from the goal, mm-hmm. but you know maybe it was <laughs> like five yards out to the right in the positioning, and so you get right. you really get to understand it, and it helps you make sense of of the type of chances that, that are being created throughout too. So no, love what they're doing. Just wish it was, um, you know, delivered, delivered to my doorstep like Uber eats. <laughs> uh, yeah. So 11 Tegan 11 earns a little bit of a, a little bit of villainy, but mostly, mostly hero status, uh, from before <laughs> residual hero they, status. Uh, we, we have stripped them of their two red gringos hall of fame. Yes status and yeah. and just you know they got they got to earn it again <laughs> yeah they'll they'll maybe they'll get back well i don't know it's unprecedented <laughs> that someone's been stripped of it before and reinstated you know so that's yeah 
We may need to draft like a, const, a two red gringos constitution and, and, and bylaws, really outline bylaws for the outline our powers here. Yeah. <laughs> so this last piece uh, I saw right before right before we got on, and uh, you know because uh... are y'all throwing a party? What? There's rumors in the Twitter sphere. <laughs> so. Uh, there's, there's, <laughs> so there's, there's rumors in the Twitter sphere. Um, and, uh, <laughs> that's ice cube in 21 jump street for the, for the <laughs> y'all who don't know. Um, but so, a, a tweet I saw literally right before we started recording was a, it was a total ITK thing. So this may, you may have to take this with a complete grain of salt, but I thought it was an interesting discussion just to close things out. So the the post uh, or the tweet alleged that um, Nike are currently the front runners to be our kit providers for next season because uh, New Balance is like nowhere near matching the numbers of what, what Nike and Adidas have put out. And Adidas actually failed to match what Nike bid in terms of the sponsor, the, the kit provider deal. Um, it's somewhere in the like 60 million realm. Um, some kind of obscene number that I've never, (laughs) never seen mentioned with (laughs) Liverpool football club before. So, um, I think, I, I think we, we do, we've talked about this in the past, but what what do you think about the potential of Nike being being Liverpool's kit provider next season? I think I mentioned it in a tweet where we have to know, like of all of all the things that I I champion in terms of efficiency, productivity, commercialization, marketing. <laughs> like I'm going to be on board with Nike. Like I I, I know it. I know. I know how awful it is, especially when we get like the 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 Madrid training kit or whatever, or Barcelona training kit. Um, but no, I, I I don't know. I can't defend it. I can't defend it. But I'll, but I'll probably like it if it is Nike too. But I, I, just Adidas. I think everybody kind of wants Adidas, just in terms of like the the history that we have in terms of kits. Um, my personal favorite is always Puma, but I, I don't know. I never even hear anything out of them too. So, um, no, I kind of, you know, did the, uh, you know, the Grinch smile whenever, whenever I saw you put that on the, uh, <laughs> on the outline with, with Napoli where I'm like, okay, I, I can roll with that. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, to me, to me, you know, Nike, Adidas, it, it really, whatever top level kit provider it is, the key, and and we've kind of gotten used to this being the kind of flagship club for New Balance, um, because you know the other clubs are not of the same stature. Um, but whether it's Nike, whether it's Adidas, it doesn't matter. I think the the key for Liverpool and a club of of Liverpool's um, of stature in the game and of you know history and and all that. If we get templated, like you, you know, like you said, you know, if we get 
Spurs, like Spurs did this season with their away kit, where they got a, a training kit as their away kit. <laughs> um, same colors and everything. Like, didn't even bother changing the colors. No. Yeah. Um, if that happens, that, that'll cause serious problems, I think, um, in terms of the, oh, the yeah. optics and, and the fan base. So well, if they're going to go all in, and I think with the amount of money that's being spent, I, I do think that it's a different you know, this type of Nike deal would be more of a like Barca level Nike deal yeah. where it is, you know, this is an understanding of <laughs> this is a club that is like one of the one of the top on the account, if you will. Um, and so I think the I think the level is different. And and we know that we're at a different level than Spurs, even if they their fans probably don't want to <laughs> admit that. But uh but I think we we are yeah a different proposition when it comes to the you know worldwide marketability and uh, and really right now the quality of the team itself. Well, also for for Liverpool too, like because kit, I mean kits are always a big part of of this sporting culture, and I mean we've got a few New Balance stores here in Mexico City. I walk into any of them, only one had LFC kits and they were 15, 16 kits. <laughs> like that's an issue. Like yeah. you're not like kids aren't walking in and seeing like LFC kits, right? Like if I go into a Nike or an Adidas store here, same for any major city. Mm-hmm. Like if I go into those stores, I'm seeing every major club on display. Like even just department stores, they're going to have Nike section, Adidas section. I can find Bayern. I can find Real Madrid. I can find Barcelona. I can even find like Chelsea, Chelsea, Tottenham. Mm -hmm. Right. But I can't find Liverpool anywhere. And, and and that's an issue too. And I think even, and that's why I'm okay with the, as lazy as Nike's been, because I think it's, it's good for the club to have those brands be associated with it. Like, I don't know if we want to admit it, but it, it maybe you feel differently, but the, the PSG like Jordan stuff is just like so fucking cool. Like, <laughs> and not every club can pull that off. Like we'll pick, we'll keep picking on Tottenham. If Tottenham tried to roll out like air Jordan <laughs> specific kits, everybody would be like, why the fuck did you pick Tottenham? Right. So right. It, it takes like a certain level of a club to pull that off. But, but that type of brand association is good, you know, until those like 13 year olds become Liverpool fans and then they get on Twitter and they're everything <laughs> that's wrong with the sport too. But, but no, from a branding standpoint, that's, yeah. it, it's important to be associated with those two. So Nike or Adidas, and even as much as I love Puma, it's not quite that same. It's not that same level. Right. Um, so either of those two, I'm, I'm, I'm good with. I think the, uh, the two thing there are two things and it's funny you brought up the the Jordan stuff with PSG um so uh the two things that would upset me as a you know as a Liverpool fan if if Nike is our is our kit uh provider the first is if we're at home and Nike's made us some kind of special edition kit for you know like a, a fourth kit for like FIFA or something like that <laughs> and we're playing a home match. I, you know, I don't care that it's the Champions League or whatever, but like, and we're playing a home match and we're not in red. 
like that will cause an absolute shitstorm. Yeah. Like the fact that PSG wore that white kit at home, to me that was just like the ultimate this is not about like the team doesn't even really matter anymore. Like yeah. the club doesn't matter. It is all about getting this this kit sold or this kit, like more visibility. Yep. Well, and again too, you can pull that off with PSG. Right. Because you everybody can pull that off that with City. Everybody you knows it's probably <laughs> you could probably pull that off with Chelsea too. Right. <laughs> like because there's not that there there's not that ingrained culture there too. But like for I don't know. Like we've never seen that before. Like at the level of like, I, I don't think like Real Madrid, where like not putting them in white, you know, not putting right. Liverpool in all red. Um, I don't know. I feel like United would sell their souls to do something weird with with kids. So <laughs> I'm not even going to back them up. I mean, they but. put a giant gold Chevy on the front of their <laughs> on the front of their kits, so they didn't even bother changing the color. Um, <laughs> And then the the only other thing that will upset me if it is Nike is you know aside from the template thing you know I I expect us to get to get original designs but but the second thing that will really upset me is the uh, if we get if we get a half assed NFL jersey oh, uh, adaptation God. I'm oh, gonna <laughs> that's gonna <laughs> that's gonna really just rub me the was wrong that way. just Tottenham who else was involved in Tottenham that Chelsea and PSG got them. Okay, yeah, uh, I'm regretting. I'm regretting my. Li- yeah, that that to me, <laughs> those those are actually two really good points that those I are think the only would two. even <laughs> would even shake my my corporate <laughs> corporate marketing love. The upside though is that one, um, the financial position that Liverpool is in commercially, even without this deal, puts us in a very strong negotiating. <laughs> space in terms of like needing to do marketing ploys like that. Mm-hmm. Um, the the first one I think is non-negotiable in terms of, I, I don't think there would be a situation where Liverpool is not wearing red at home. Um, like how, how would you feel if Adam Lalana is rocking like a, <laughs> a 1920 LFC, LFC American football kit? <laughs> That's, that's the last straw for you. Like that's, that's it. I mean, and it will be him. Like that's the thing. <laughs> I can already see it. It will be him because it was it was Harry Kane. Uh, I don't know who who it was for Chelsea. Probably Barkley. Um, <laughs> that's just probably just probably pick whichever douchey looking Brit. Just yeah. whichever player is the most Brexit on each team, <laughs> <laughs> and they're wearing the American football jersey. Oh. Um, but yeah, so those are the things that that the Nike deal just kind of like potentially rubs me the wrong way, just because it seems like they're constantly trying to do things that have nothing to do with the actual club. And the one the thing club, that the that, sport, <laughs> the one thing that New Balance's branding, despite the fact that New Balance has doesn't give us the amount of visibility and all that, but the one thing that they've done really well is tying the history and the. And really yeah. making the club the the focal point rather than the brand itself, um, kind of making New Balance seem like a part of the club rather than the other way around. Yeah. Um, and Nike so often seems to make it about this club is part of our brand, um, and that's that to me is is where I think you'll see a little bit of a like ideological clash between 
Yeah, I think so. Liverpool's kind of ethos as a club and and Nike's kind of <laughs> corporate uh uh I don't know, hive mind <laughs> mentality. I well, well, as usual on on the two red gringos, you have my soulless corporate appeasing opinion <laughs> followed by your in-depth heartfelt analysis <laughs> hey i mean that's that's what makes this work right like we've got <laughs> we've got the the two sides no i um i don't know i'm i'm interested to see what happens um let's be honest i'll buy the shit either way so <laughs> it's not yeah, it's a, it's the take my money you yeah. know it's the super like, yeah, it's exactly. just gonna it's gonna it's just gonna happen it's gonna happen so there's no there's no real there's no real use getting embroiled in the debate but um but i think there are a couple of things that that give me pause about a nike deal but um yeah i think uh i don't know we're we're in an interesting time right now like liverpool is so hot right now is literally the Kind of where we're where we're at. So as a hot club. right now. <laughs> Top of the league, <laughs> past the group stages. <laughs> I uh, yeah I and that was something that I actually put out on on Twitter as well was just the um, the fact that there's been so much talk, there's been so much so much back and forth amongst Liverpool fans. Not even bringing in the. Uh, the obsession of other fan bases into it. Um, but just amongst Liverpool fans, there's been so much, you know, so much disagreement, so much argument. And yet here we are unbeaten in the league and through, and <laughs> I through, still, to I the, still can't wrap my head around that <laughs> and through to, you know, top of the league unbeaten and, and through to the knockout stages of the champions league. I mean, Klopp's Klopp's pulled off an absolute, like, blazing start to the season and and yet some people still feel like uh you'd think you'd think we were sitting like 12th right now i mean you just you know we we live in a world of of twitter and social media in this sport so we're always going to have the uh we're always going to have the villains and we'll we'll keep doing our part to to call them out as as often as we can absolutely so i think that's as good a spot as any to uh to call it a night given that it is quite late especially in central time for you two red gringos after dark hey yep. you know if you guys have to put up with the early start times for matches <laughs> like this this is me giving you an hour as if i was there sunday with you guys right. when when you'll have that hour where you can't drink so this is this is my payback this is the payback well i uh i do appreciate it believe it or not but the uh but so as we as we close out, um, if you guys enjoyed what you heard, um, we have a website, tworedgringos.com, where you can hear all our episodes. We're also mm. on iTunes and Google Play. We're on Instagram. Uh, you can follow at tworedgringos on Twitter. That's where most of the stuff goes down. Also, be sure to follow Pat at Gringo, or sorry, at Mexico City LFC. Um, your handle is... <laughs> Is is Gringo in CDMX? Gringo, and, yeah. Uh, and uh, so you can find him for a lot of a lot of banter, um, some stats as well, and uh, <laughs> yeah, just uh, get involved and uh, let us know what you think of the show, and let us know what you think for United this weekend. Are we gonna Are we gonna do it? Are we gonna Are we gonna finally put Jose to the sword? Um, I I know we're all hoping for it, but uh, for 
Pat Staley, this is Phil Baki. And the two red gringos saying adios. Adios. I'm gonna be the